Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. As the Biden administration continues to seek the extradition of Julian Assange, new details have emerged about the Trump administration's secret war against Assange and his organization, WikiLeaks. The story comes from Yahoo News. It's called Kidnapping, Assassination, and a London Shootout Inside the CIA's Secret War Plans Against WikiLeaks. Joining me now is one of the three reporters who broke this story, Michael Isakoff, the chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News. Michael, thank you for joining me. Hey, good to be with you. So congratulations on the story and thank you for writing it. I think it's one of the most important stories of this year. You have in your story, for the first time, confirmation from the U.S. side on this sprawling CIA operation against Assange and WikiLeaks. Some of the details came out in the Spanish press from El País, and uh, it was also reported by my gray zone colleague, Max Blumenthal, in May 2020. But you have a series of U.S. officials confirming the CIA's role and offering new details of what this operation entailed. And I want to start with Mike Pompeo, because he emerges in your story as really the key figure here. He comes in as Trump's first director of the CIA. Uh, He immediately declares in April 2017 that WikiLeaks is a uh, non-state hostile intelligence service. It's time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is, a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia. We have to recognize that we can no longer allow Assange and his colleagues the latitude to use free speech values against us. To give them the space to crush us with misappropriated secrets is a perversion of what our great constitution stands for. It ends now. He vows to use the CIA to be more vicious. And so we've now laid out a strategy for how we're going to execute our mission with incredible vigor. We're going to become a more, much more vicious agency in ensuring that we're delivering this work. We're going to go to the hardest places with some of the hardest people in our organization to crush it. And when we do that, The president has promised that he will have our backs. And your story lays out just what a critical role he played behind the scenes. Talk to us about Pompeo's role and how he oversaw the shift in the U.S. government's approach to WikiLeaks from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. Yeah, I mean, he was clearly uh, the driving player in all this. Um, And it's kind of interesting because... Look, Assange and WikiLeaks had been on the radar screen of the U.S. intelligence community for quite some time, going back to the war logs release in 2010 and the State Department cables. And then, of course, in 2016, you had WikiLeaks uh, publishing the, um, uh, the Democratic Party emails that had been purloined by Russian intelligence. Um, allegedly, and, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get You're on my show. Oh, come on, Michael. You think but, I'm not going to say no, that? No, I'm, I'm yeah. dropping the allegedly. <laughs> it's it, it's not a matter in any serious dispute at this point. And the emails documenting that are pretty well laid out in the Mueller report. But I, I couldn't disagree more, but let's, but we'll put that aside. We'll, we'll put that uh, aside. Let's yeah. move on because yeah. I, I, I'm not going to let you get away with <laughs> inserting and allegedly into my work. I'm not going to let you get away with asserting as fact something that I think is in dispute. But listen, I don't want to take away I, from. I, it is not a matter in dispute. <laughs> All right. Um, Aaron, let's let's revisit really that. Gotta accept the evidence when it's staring you right okay. in the face. Likewise. That likewise, said, likewise, so the yeah. Russians purloin 
the intelligence, the Democratic Party emails. Um, Assange asks WikiLeaks, asks Guccifer 2.0, the Russian GRU operative, Alleged. disguising for those emails. Guccifer 2.0 supplies them to um, uh, WikiLeaks. There's Allegedly. An email with an encrypted file. Uh, it's quoted from in the indictments in the Mueller report. And the conclusion of the U.S. intelligence community and the law enforcement community and the congressional committees investigating this is unanimous that this was a Russian operation from start <laughs> to finish finish being supplying them to WikiLeaks, which asked for them so that they can be published. That much, as I say, other than the watchers of this show is not in dispute. But <laughs> here's the thing. Pompeo wasn't really exercised about this. He never disputed it. But after all, this was an operation that helped Donald Trump get elected president. Um, and so therefore, it was not really something that concerned him uh, all that much. And I saw him kind of dismiss the Russians saying, oh, yeah, they do this all the time at the Aspen Security Conference in 2017. That said, once he gets into office and and he discovers the Vault 7 leak, which has now taken place on his watch. And these are Vault 7 are some of the most sensitive uh, secrets the CIA has. It's their internal hacking tools that they use to mount offensive cyber of, uh, operations around the world against American adversaries. And now he's embarrassed. He's humiliated. He's furious. And he wants revenge on WikiLeaks. He wants revenge on Assange. And then he gives that talk in April of uh, 20, um, uh, 2017 uh, at the Washington think tank in which he uses this designation, you know, uh, 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 hostile non-state. A non-state hostile intelligence service, which a lot of us, including me, I was in the audience at the time, thought was sort of a um, uh, sort of a, a, a rhetorical talking point, a, you know, grabby line that, that Pompeo was using to get a headline or two. Um, in fact, it was much more than that. Um, it was, in effect, a designation by the CIA that allowed it to uh, do things in, in terms of offensive counterintelligence activities that it would otherwise not have been able to do without a presidential finding or briefing of Capitol Hill. And um, once that opened the door, all sorts of truly aggressive operations were mounted uh, or were planned were planned within the CIA uh, to sort of treat the um, uh, WikiLeaks as it were, you know, the Iranian intelligence service or Hezbollah. And by the way, Pompeo has specifically used that analogy when asked about other non-state intelligence services that the CIA had targeted. Um, uh, he compared WikiLeaks to uh, Hezbollah. And, you know, that included, as we sort of lay out out in the piece, um, the, uh, um, uh, the, the abduction of, uh, of Assange from the Ecuadorian embassy, a snatch operation, um, sowing discord among WikiLeaks Confederates, uh, stealing their computers, um, 
monitoring their communications and their travel uh, throughout Europe. And there was even talk uh, within the CIA about whether, uh, about a possible assassination. Now, I want to be clear on the assassination thing. Obviously, that gets a lot of attention. That never got very far, and it certainly never got to the uh, Trump White House. But the other plans that um, Pompeo was uh, cooking up did, and or um, many of them did, and they created real alarm bells within the Trump White House, including you know Trump lawyers, uh, White House lawyers who were concerned that um, uh, the CIA was going beyond uh, where it should go. And I should point out, and because there's been a lot of back and forth on this, uh, yes, it is true that the um, uh, even what Pompeo was pushing which was the abduction uh, idea, um, never got a sign off. But there were things that the CIA did do, and we have that confirmed for the first time uh, in our piece. Uh, you mentioned earlier reports about various things, the Spanish court case, UC Global, and other matters. What we report here is that, yes, in fact, the CIA was getting audio and video feeds from inside the Ecuadorian embassy uh, spying on Assange. Yes, they did monitor the communications, uh, intercept the communications of WikiLeaks associates, monitor their travel. So there were pretty aggressive actions that were being taken um, as a result of all this, even if the sort of somewhat extreme measures that Pompeo was pushing um, never got a sign off. And just to explain what UC Global is, it's a uh, Spanish security firm that was hired by Ecuador to basically guard the embassy. Um, but what comes out in this case uh, in Spain is that UC Global was then used by the CIA working with Sheldon Adelson, a major Trump donor, uh, his firm, uh, which is something that Max Blumenthal, the Gray Zone reported, to spy on Assange. And it's in, uh, you know, putting it under basically going from guarding Assange to putting him under heavy surveillance and working with the CIA and whatever it was cooking up to target Assange with. Um Right. I mean, there are those allegations in the Spanish court case. And there's a guy uh, by the name of David Morales, who apparently was the sort of, you know, head of UC Global, who's been under investigation as a result of some of these employees who have come forward um, making um, the allegations that you just referenced to. Um, it seems likely that there is a connection between the UC Global events and what we are reporting. Um, but it's not definitive from, from at least from our reporting that um, uh, there's um, that it's quite as crystal clear that this was the basis or the sole basis for what the CIA was up to. Um, they may well have turned UC Global, although you know it's a somewhat marginal firm, um, and um, there's some reason to think that there may have been a, a another firm that was uh, being used as well and may have been more productive for that. But um, you know, needless to say, there are lots of questions here. Uh, that um, deserve answers. Or at a minimum, the CIA had access to UC Global's surveillance footage. That's fair to say? It's fair to say what we reported in the story, which is that the CIA had access to audio and video feeds from inside the Ecuadorian embassy. Okay. And there's a lot more reporting out there, uh, which I will include with the story from El País and also from uh, the Gray Zone. Um, so... 
This also coincides with going after members of WikiLeaks, associates of WikiLeaks. Uh, can you talk about um, how that materialized and what operations were actually put into place? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have a lot of granular detail on which particular um, WikiLeaks associates um, were being spied on by the CIA. There have been sort of allegations from it by, made by a number of them who have, uh, or, and as well as journalists who said they went in to interview Assange and that their, um, uh, their uh, iPhones uh, or tablets were, um, uh, were, were monitored or were uh, captured. Um, and, um, you know, others who have reported sort of irregular activities that might be indicate that they were spied on. We don't know for sure which ones um, were targeted by um, the CIA. I mean, there are certain obvious suspects who one would imagine would have been the uh, brunt of this. But um, uh, I think the important point here is that we have confirmed from you know former U.S. officials familiar with the matter that yes, this sort of activity did take place. One of your other re revelations is that under the Obama administration, uh, there were top officials pushing this effort to uh, designate certain unfriendly journalists as quote information brokers. Uh, this applies to people like Laura Poitras and Glenn Greenwald, who reported the Snowden NSA leaks. Uh, that would have also opened up the way for uh, you know espionage tools to be used against them. Can you talk about about, about that revelation and how how seriously that was considered? Yeah, well, this was something that U.S. intelligence officials during the Obama years did uh, propose um, to sort of label. Um, Greenwald and Poitras as information brokers uh, as a way of decreeing that they are not legitimate journalists and so therefore um, we could take actions against them that they uh, uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to take. Um, it's uh, a pretty extreme proposal on its face. Uh, um, how do you distinguish an information broker from what you and I do or what uh, the New York Times does? And I mean, you know, journalism is a form of information brokering. I guess you get information from one from sources and then you uh, you collect it and then you put it out for the public. So I guess that's, you know, information brokering. Right. But it's, uh, you know, it is worth pointing out that this never got a uh, sign off from the Obama White House, which was separately under heat for all the leak investigations that the uh, Justice Department under Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, had uh, had launched during the first term of the uh, Obama presidency. So going back to Pompeo, again, you put him at the center of all these discussions to uh, yeah. target Assange, even to kidnap him. Now, uh, for your story, you approached Pompeo for comment and he did not respond to you, right? Correct. Multiple requests for comment uh, that got uh, no response at all. But he has commented in public uh, since your story came out um, on the Glenn Beck program and also at a, a public talk. And basically his message was, you know, don't believe Michael Isakoff. Uh, I'd say three things. First of all, it's Isakoff. We, we've seen uh, he was a big Russia hoax perpetrator. Yep, he was. Yeah. So, so so take take that for what it's worth. Second, 
there are many stories out there now about how the president and I were engaged in things that were crazy, right? There's this talk about that there was an effort to drop a nuclear weapon on China in the last week's administration. This story is of that same ilk, right? Just I, I couldn't tell you who they have as their sources, but those sources didn't know what we were doing. And then the third point, I guess, Glenn, is we were we were very worried about the fact that we had bad actors who were stealing really, really sensitive material from the United States. And I, I, I make no apologies for the fact that we and the administration were working diligently to make sure that we were able to protect this important, sensitive information. But he did not issue a denial of what you reported. I'm wondering <laughs> no, your, he did your not. response to Pompeo. I mean, um, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, I mean, the most important point is he didn't dispute any details in the story, and he made it clear that he did view WikiLeaks as a threat to American national security, um, you know, as if to suggest that, you know, extreme measures were called for here. Um, we'll see if he gets uh, closer questioning um, and follow-up questions from folks. Um, I understand he's doing another interview as early as today um, from an interviewer who may want to ask him some questions about this. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, his his kind of sort of cavalier response. Oh, you know, it's you know that, that crappy reporter Isakov, the Russia hoaxer, is on this. Therefore, you know, why should anybody believe any of it? Um, it's not much of a response. And uh, what's your sense of the dynamic inside the White House when it comes to Assange? So you got a quote from. So you got no response from Pompeo, but you did yep. get a response from Trump. Who yeah, pretty interesting. Told wasn't you, it? <laughs> told you that he feels Assange has been treated badly. Meanwhile, yeah. he's presiding over an administration that is ag aggressively ramping up the targeting of Julian Assange, even far more aggressive than the Obama administration was. So, what's and, your and in and indicted him and indicted Remember, him? Yeah, I mean, indicted him multiple times. It was his administration. And by the way, one sort of detail in the story that um, uh, you know maybe a lot of people missed, but was that. Um, uh, it was the White House, the Trump White House, that spurred the Justice Department to get moving on an indictment of Assange, because there was real concerns that if somehow the CIA were, were to get its hands on Assange, and there's the later events, which we can talk about in a minute, where they get uh, concerns that um, that, that Russian uh, intelligence operatives may be, prepare, may be preparing to uh, spirit Assange out of the embassy and onto an airplane and fly him to Moscow. Uh, this you know, raises all sorts of alarm bells all the way up at the highest levels of the Trump White House and that there are all sorts of operations planned to thwart that if it were to happen. Um, but um, uh, and all that took place under Trump's watch. Right. Um, and yet when we asked him for comment, what Trump did was dispute one, uh, you know, um, uh, comment from a former intelligence official who says that Trump himself had asked about whether Assange could be assassinated. Trump denies that. But then he makes this comment that you just alluded to, um, which is, uh, I think, Assange is being treated very badly. It's as though Trump is reverting to the candidate Trump 
who proclaimed, I love WikiLeaks because after all, WikiLeaks was publishing um, uh, internal emails that were damaging to his opponent, Hillary Clinton. So um, uh, it's like, I thought that was just an interesting uh, sort of fallback default line for Trump where he views everything through the lens of his own personal political fortunes and he, you know, all he remembers about WikiLeaks, that which sticks with him is that WikiLeaks helped him and therefore, you know, they're being treated unfairly. Okay, so let's talk about the Russia angle of this. It's something I was actually hoping to avoid with you because I wanted to uh, uh, highlight your reporting and promote it because I think it's so important. It shows the extent of this U.S. government war against Assange, which the Biden administration is effectively continuing by trying to extradite him. And I wanted to promote that. But the Russia part is a big component of this. It's a big part of the narrative. So let's get into it um, because I have some disagreements with you, obviously. But first, so on this, so you report that U.S. efforts against Assange picked up after they collected intelligence that Russia was going to was trying to uh, put together this plan to basically remove Assange from the embassy and bring him to Russia to protect him from the U.S. I spoke to people close to WikiLeaks, um, some people who served inside the Ecuadorian embassy. They don't take that prospect seriously. They don't they were not aware of any Russian effort to physically remove Assange. There was some talk about Ecuador giving him a diplomatic posting, but and Russia was in the conversation, but Russia was not the first country. I'm wondering, do, have you gotten any um, information about this supposed Russian plot to exfiltrate Assange from any source that is not U.S. intelligence? Has this been corroborated? Hey, listen, by listen, the, the thrust of what we were reporting is that U.S. intelligence officials and White House officials believed this. Um, I, I, I know that Assange and WikiLeaks dispute that there was ever such any such uh, operation planned, uh, and that may well be the case. I'm not, you know, uh, the purpose here was not to, um, to say, to report, because we don't have confirmation uh, that, that that in fact was what the Russians were planning to do. Um, the, the, the significance here is reporting, this is what US intelligence believed and therefore that's why they were planning all this Jason Bourne stuff about a possible gun battle on the streets of London if uh, Assange was to break out of the embassy or shooting the tires on the uh, airplane that they thought the Russians might fly him off to Moscow or positioning helicopters to force the, the plane to land. All that is what they were um, uh, planning for and talking about at high levels of the U.S. government, uh, whether it was justified or not, I just don't take any position one way or the other because I don't know. And, okay, look, going back to Guccifer 2.0, I don't want yeah. to get into a debate about it, but since you asserted this fact, I want to just state a couple of things. First of all, even the Mueller investigation, I've written about this extensively. Even mm -hmm. the Mueller investigation acknowledged that they don't know who gave the stolen files to WikiLeaks. That's in the Mueller report. They have. I'm, I'm going to quote you the line. I don't know. Maybe I'm, we're reading a different report. The office cannot rule out that stolen documents were transferred to WikiLeaks through intermediaries who visited during the summer of 2016. That's them acknowledging that right. they don't do, actually do you know. Have the, 
Do you have the passage where they quote the encrypted file email from Guccifer 2.0 to WikiLeaks? Do, do, do you Michael, have that? Listen, I've written about paragraph? this. I've, I've written about this a lot. You have that? Uh, I will find that? it. Uh, I will okay. find it. Sure. I mean, but if, but you what, what I will guarantee you, you what, what, I will, what I will guarantee yeah. you though is they don't even assert that that file contained the DNC emails. They suggest it, which was par for the course throughout the Mueller investigation, suggesting. Uh, explosive conclusions they don't have concrete evidence for, and that's the case do you, here. Do you have the Do you have the email passage where uh, Assange writes to Guccifer 2.0 a, a few days earlier, asking for material about Hillary Clinton? Yeah, that, he did. So he I, can publish it on the eve of the uh, Democratic convention. He, yes, he did. But there's no confirmation, okay. and no one's ever asserted that that request from to Guccifer 2.0 resulted in Guccifer 2.0 giving Assange the stolen emails that are at the heart of this. And think about it. Look, Mueller's timeline makes no sense. Assange, we all know when he announced in early June that he has leaks coming up about Hillary Clinton. We have upcoming leaks in relation to Hillary Clinton, which yep. is great. We actually have, a, WikiLeaks has a very big year uh, so, but, so, but some of the, some uh, of the ones that have those, not yet come into the public domain, you are planning yeah. to put out. We have emails related to Hillary, Hillary Clinton, which uh, are pending uh, publication. That is correct. According to the Mueller report, it's only after then that he makes his first contact with Guccifer 2.0. And that's after Guccifer 2.0 is coming out in public saying that he's given stuff to WikiLeaks. So yeah. that, among many pieces of evidence, is suggests to me that Guccifer is actually a scam, trying to take credit for something that he did not actually do. There's no, there's no evidence at all directly connecting Guccifer 2.0 uh, uh, and WikiLeaks when it comes to publishing these stolen emails, nothing. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I gotta say as somebody who likes to view himself as a straight shooter, you, your arguments seem strained to me. Uh, and when the, uh, when you see the proximity of the uh, Assange reaching out, why have he had the stuff? Why do you need to reach out to he wanted Lucifer more. 2.0? Yeah. He wanted Go Lucifer yeah. was so, so maybe he didn't have very much to begin with. No, he, he, had well, he had already stuff. said he had he some really he had important. He he had teased yeah. it already. He, what he were told, they? What were they? He said we have what some. Were they? Or in early and June. Why, and why? Why? He had teased it out. Way. He said we have some really important leaks coming up on Hillary Clinton. He already yeah. teased it well what before Guccifer came along. And then Guccifer came along and he takes credit and he releases some stuff to the public on his blog. That's not that interesting. It looks to me like he's someone who's trying to make it look as if he's Julian Assange's source, but he actually isn't. And that well, coincides uh, with, and that coincides, Michael, by the way, and this is a whole long thing, but I just can't believe it's still taken as fact that Russia did this and gave it to WikiLeaks when we also know that CrowdStrike, the firm that generated this allegation. Oh, that is such they, a red herring. They private such nonsense. Who cares about CrowdStrike? The U.S. intelligence community, the FBI, the congressional committees didn't rely on CrowdStrike to reach its conclusion. You don't know that. It had, you know, well, we know pretty well. I'm sorry, those friggin' emails to me are case closed, all right? I don't, you know, yes, maybe there was some other method, but it seems pretty clear that, you know, 
everybody who looked at this, including, by the way, the House Intelligence Committee, when it was under the control of Republicans who were desperate to find some other source for those emails than the Russians. And even they reached the unanimous conclusion that, yeah, it was the Russians. Who if did you read so everybody, I, I, even those who were politically invested in finding a different conclusion when faced with the facts, had to accept the facts. And so the CrowdStrike thing just strikes me as so, so immaterial and irrelevant. So the fact, that, the, the fact that the CrowdStrike, which is a firm hired by the Democrats, just as Fusion GPS was hired by the Democrats, and we all know what Fusion GPS did, they, they concocted the Steele dossier scam. CrowdStrike uh, generated the Russian hacking allegations. Somehow they know in mid-June, after Assange has already said that he has some Hillary Clinton leaks. They know for sure that it's Russian intelligence. And then privately, the head of CrowdStrike, Sean Henry, testifies in December 2017. He admits under oath that they have no concrete evidence that these alleged Russian hackers actually stole anything off the server. And we don't find out about that until May 2020. That's, and meanwhile, the, the server itself was never directly examined by the FBI. They relied heavily on CrowdStrike's yeah, yeah, yeah. forensics. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's true. And then, and then, and then Assange does, and by the way, I, you know, I'm, yeah, I know that um, Assange supporters have embraced our reporting and, you know, I totally expect them to do so. And I think that this does raise, you know, all sorts of questions that need answers from the U.S. government um, and, uh, and, and Congress to get involved as well. But, Let's not lionize Julian Assange either. I mean, to me, to my mind, one of the appalling things he did was try to pawn all this off on Seth Rich, the uh, former DNC staffer who was tragically murdered in a botched street robbery in Washington, giving rise to this really monstrous and sinister conspiracy theory that went on for years, tormenting his family and trying to pretend that, you know, this young boy who was, you know, start of his career was the responsible for all of this. WikiLeaks never sits on material. Uh, whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old, uh, works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered uh, just two weeks ago uh, for un unknown reasons as he was walking down the street in Washington. So that was that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it? No, it's, there's no finding. So uh, what are you suggesting? Sort of, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that our sources uh, take risks and they are they become concerned uh, to see things occurring. Uh, like that. But was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean, we don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion about a young guy being shot in the streets of Washington? Because uh, we have to understand uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States and that our sources are, you know, our sources face serious risks. Uh, that's why they come to us so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, but it's quite and, something to suggest and, a murder. So, That's basically what you're doing. Well, that others have have suggested that uh, we are investigating to understand uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is uh, a concerning situation. Uh, there's not a conclusion yet. We wouldn't be willing to um, 
state a conclusion, but we are concerned about it. And more importantly, um, a variety of WikiLeaks sources are concerned when that kind of thing happens. Um, was I mean, that was really shameful on Julian Assange's part. And, and, part. and you know, he should be called to, you know, uh, account for that. Why did you go down that trail if you weren't trying to cover for somebody? You know, that to me, you know, at a trial, I would throw that in there. You know, you were trying to cover for the fact that you got this from Guccifer 2.0, the Russian intelligence agent, weren't you? But anyway, we can but the point on. is, again, he's denied that he got it from Russia. So we don't know who we got it yeah, from. Yeah, well, listen, we don't. it is conceivable that he did not know who Guccifer 2.0 was. That's, you know. Um, we don't uh, even know that Guccifer 2.0 gave him. Tough. We don't even know that Guccifer gave him anything that he actually published. All we know is this innuendo from Mueller, which he also undercut by acknowledging he doesn't actually know uh, whether or not Assange got stuff from intermediaries in person, which means he doesn't know. All right, actually... let's let's move on. I, I you know, all right. I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I, I hope Assange has the chance. Assange certainly should have the chance to speak for himself, and that's he's why he's had he's had years to talk about this, and obviously has not. Well, he wasn't uh, he wasn't approached by Mueller. Do, don't you think it's yeah, weird, Michael, that a, a Mueller never approached him? Mueller never tried to interview Assange. Yeah, I, I mean, you doesn't know, that raise a question for you? Uh, on top of everything else we know uh, about well what 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 is the question that um i mean do you think Mueller was not i mean assange is not a u.s citizen he was wasn't in the united states there was no way to compel his testimony he um, offered to testify he, he offered to testify the ecuadorian embassy well then speak publicly who did you know forget Mueller. if you've got information you have you think in your possession that clears up and would you know dispute he made that offer michael you know publicly. this they're they're, they're do, it, negotiate. do it in public they're gonna go on your show well, and do it he, he what does he what does he need he did go what does he, he did, need a subpoena for he could he could come forward at any time he did come and forward and speak until he was muzzled and he said that russia was not a source him. he gave interviews he did he did. Well, and he well, also offered saying. he also offered to meet with U.S. officials. There was negotiations. This was this was reported by John Solomon in The Hill, uh, who is yeah. a conservative reporter. But I've, I've, it hasn't been denied that there were negotiations where Assange even offered technical evidence that would rule out a state actor in the theft of the emails. And but that would ultimately Jim Comey yeah. apparently intervene and stop that. Um, and uh, so. I'm sorry. There's like, Jim Comey has no power to stop Julian Assange from doing anything. If he's got evidence to present, if WikiLeaks has evidence to present, they can do it at any time. They can go on your show. I, and I hope, the I evidence. hope they do one day. Right? I mean, I, he's had years to do it, and he hasn't done it. And I, to me, that speaks volumes. If I hope they do. Some, but the absence. Remember, remember Dana Rohrabacher yeah. and Charles Johnson go to the Ecuadorian embassy and saying, "Hey, we think." we can get you a pardon if you could come forward and you could present us with something that shows it wasn't the Russians that did it. And they were waiting patiently. And guess what? He came up with nothing. But you nothing. know why? Because Assange never presented anything to back up what people were pleading with him. Michael, to okay. come forward. My last point on this, I'm going to send you Yanis, Vera, uh, Yanis Varoufakis, who was a former Greek finance minister, 
or a, a former Greek uh, cabinet official who spoke about his conversation with Julian Assange about this. And Assange told him about this offer, this pardon offer that he got, which could have won him his freedom if the offer was serious. From yeah, I, I don't know that it was a real offer. Okay, I mean, let's say it was. And, but Assange said he turned, Assange said he turned it down because yeah. WikiLeaks doesn't reveal its sources. And they offered me a pardon, a presidential pardon from Trump. Uh, I said, okay, on condition of um, that uh, I reveal that the Hillary Clinton emails, over which Trump had the problem at the time, if you remember, right, uh, with the Mueller investigation and so on, uh, did not come from the Russians. And I said, uh, Julian, from what you've told me in the past, you don't know where your information comes from. I mean, WikiLeaks is structured in such a way that it's double blind, right? Um, nobody knows anything. You, even Julian does not know who is sending the stuff to WikiLeaks. This is the whole point of the design of the software. He said, yes, that's, that's true. But this person who actually gave me the emails, the Hillary Clinton emails, actually made himself known to me, himself or herself, I'm not sure, right? And uh, I said, so what? It's, you, can you confirm that it was not the Russians? He said, absolutely. I said, well, why don't you then? He said, because that goes against the whole principle of WikiLeaks non-disclosure of sources. I said, well, what if your source is okay with the idea of being disclosed? He said, well, look, firstly, it's very dangerous because if I get in touch with this person, they, they may find out that I got in touch with this person and therefore he might be fine found out, he or she may be found out. So I do not want to jeopardize that person. But even if they gave me the okay to disclose that I got the emails from them, it would be against the, the principles of WikiLeaks to do this. So I said, so what did you do? I said, well, what did you say to the, to, to, to the Trump uh, representative? He said, I told him to fuck off. Now, this is the man we're talking about, right? I mean, I, you know, I find Julian infuriating many times. You know, this, I find most of, of my friends infuriating. I find myself infuriating. You know, I clash with, them, with him. You know, this is what it means to be friends, right? But he's a man of principle. He had a chance of being pardoned by telling the truth. But because that would mean disclosing um, his sources, he didn't do it. And I said, you know, you may be, you know, you may end up in a supermax prison as a result of that. He said, yeah, I know. And the worst thing he said to me is that because I will have done turn the Trump, the Trump people down, they will be even more determined to bring me down. That's what yeah. he said. That's right, that's his right, explanation. Good. Okay, fine. All right. But look, let's let's end on um, some uh, point uh, of accord, because, again, I really appreciate despite our disagreements on the Russia angle of this, which I think is a part of the propaganda war against Assange and WikiLeaks, but we'll, we'll disagree on that. Um, what, uh, what, what your big takeaway from this story was? Were you, when you came into this, did you have a sense of this extensive level of uh, espionage and and just uh, and just contempt from the highest levels of the U.S. government towards Julian Assange? Well, like I said, I mean, I do remember. I was in the audience when Pompeo, you know, made those remarks about the um, you know, comparing WikiLeaks to a hostile intelligence service, and they did seem over the top, um, and it did seem to raise some eyebrows. At the time, there was so much else going on that it didn't, you know, I, I didn't focus my energies on trying to figure out what uh, uh, what what was behind um, Assange's uh, Pompeo's statements, but. Um, in the course of reporting this story, um, which 
you know, there were three of us who worked on it. Zach Dorfman did a, uh, a, a terrific job uh, as the um, uh, as the lead reporter on it. I assisted on um, um, many aspects of it, as did Sean Naylor. Um, uh, and so this was a this was a collective effort by the three of us. Um, but that. That said, um, I think that, um, uh, and then in the course of talking to you know, former um, uh, Trump administration folks at various levels, um, uh, in my conversations, you know, I, I would hear references to you wouldn't believe what Pompeo and Gina Haspel were up to on the WikiLeaks stuff, you know. I've been hearing that for some time. Uh, and uh, you know, the more I did, the more curious I got about trying to flesh out what they were referring to. And that's uh, you know, helped lead to um, some of the reporting that's in, that's in this piece. Well, Mike Leskoff, I really appreciate your reporting. I think it's an important, such an important contribution to the story about Julian Assange. And I think it will factor in very heavily to the Assange legal team's efforts to stop the extradition attempts. And it, it just tells us a lot about what was going on behind the scenes um, when it comes to this important story. The story is in Yahoo News. It is called Kidnapping, Assassination, and a London Shootout Inside the CIA's Secret War Plans Against WikiLeaks. Michael Lissakoff, the Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News, thank you very much for joining me to discuss it and to engage, as always, in some debate. I, I really appreciate your willingness <laughs> to do so. Sure enough. Okay. Thank you.